welcome to episode 11 of season 2 of the Jumping the Rail podcast, coming to you live from Champaign, Illinois. This is Mark Redman, and as usual, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the Italian stallion, Gary Vesalio. Gary, it seems like every episode there is something wrong with you, <laughs> some form of passion. Every time I call you to see if you're ready, he's like, oh, I'm fine, but I've got yeah. cirrhosis, or i got bum knee or something. What is it today? I have a infected eardrum. So it is not funny. No, it went from yeah. eustachian tubes to the eardrum, and it's good times. Now, see, I always thought the eustachian tubes was part of the female reproductive system, so I learned something new every day. <laughs> That's fallopian tubes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I, I always get my tubes mixed up in the uh, human body there. Well, yeah. we're glad you were uh, able to power through and help us out today, Gary. And uh, it's <laughs> we got quite a bit to talk about. Anybody on our Facebook page saw our favorite grumpy old fart is uh, is back in back in the saddle, and if if there's at least a silver lining, he well, and he says, and you know, you got to take what Vince says with a grain of salt that everything is going to be business as usual, and he's not going to have anything to do with creative or the day to day. Just yeah, yeah, that'll that'll stick. Uh, yeah. But no, it sounds like his primary focus is uh, is a sale, from what I've been hearing. Uh, he's he's there to facilitate the sale of the company to the highest bidder, which uh, I don't know about you, Gary. If you would have told me even five years ago that Vince would be selling, I probably would have said you were nuts. Because I thought he'd, that'd be the kind of thing he would, uh, he'd go down with the ship, you know what I mean? I, I'm, there's... I've been thinking about this and there's two things and one of them is either he wasn't going to sell and then he got kicked out of his own company and now he's going to sell it before they can do it again or or Stephanie and Triple H knew he was going to try to sell it and didn't understand why he would want to sell it to somebody because they would lose control of their own company. And so they tried to get him out and they did, but then he pulled the old, you can't do anything without me because I have the voting shares, which was as about as spiteful as you could possibly get as a human being mm-hmm. just to get back in. Cause the board's like, we don't want you back. The stockholders don't want you back. Nobody wants you back. The ratings are up. Money's coming in heavier. You did nothing this company these last few years mm-hmm. and, and so he was like oh i want to be back and so then he threatened basically mm-hmm. like having basically no tv yeah yeah he was going to sink the company because right. he wouldn't okay any kind of tv deal or but i think now he may be pushing more for a sale because they still have billions of dollars from it or hundreds of millions that he can spend on another football franchise or more hush money or whatever it is needs at the time. If we get a billion dollars, imagine how many NDAs I can cover. Yeah, at least <laughs> probably three. <laughs> uh, Gary, I just came across something. I don't know if you saw this uh, on Facebook. I There's somebody uh, leaked a press release from Stephanie. 
from and this came across about a half hour ago on Facebook from Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, apparently, uh, Stephanie is stepping down as co-CEO even into Nikon to, to run things. Uh, let, me, let me read this verbatim so I don't get misquoted or anything. But this is from Stephanie McMahon's social media. Dear WWE employees, about eight months ago, I took a leave of absence and within a few weeks unexpectedly had the opportunity of a lifetime. I had the privilege to return as the co-CEO and chairwoman of the board in WWE. Uh, cannot put in the words how proud I am, yada, yada, yada. Uh, our founder, Vince McMahon, has returned as executive chair and is leading an exciting process regarding strategic alternatives. Uh, I, uh, I am confident, oh, I'm sorry, and with Nick's leadership and Paul Triple H Quebec as chief content officer, I'm confident WWE is in the perfect place to continue to provide unparalleled creative content and drive maximum value for shareholders. So that's what just came across the wire a few minutes ago. So, yeah, uh, I'm not so sure that wasn't a forced move. I, I think Vince is smart enough to realize that he was pushed out by his own, by the those people, and Stephanie mm-hmm. just kind of had to leave. So it was a bold gambit. They played it as well as they possibly could have. And yeah, any, normal, for her. any normal human being would have just got the hint. Step aside. He's not a normal human being, nor is he a bright human being all the time. So, mm-hmm. even the most brilliant Bond villains made that one mistake. Yeah, They're I mean, if he sells that Bond and tell them exactly what their plan is to destroy the world and then not kill him, you know. Yeah, I, I don't understand wanting to sell the company as because it's still very profitable. You're making he made like. I think they made like $5.8 billion between the two TV deals over five years. Oh, yeah. And it's it's more profitable now. So I don't get selling. I I guess you're going to make a chunk of money since he's old. But he also has hundreds of millions of dollars. So how much money do you need? Well, like, it's like you said, there's more NDAs to be done, you know. Yeah. I think he's just doing this out of spite at this point, it's, and I don't I doubt that because he's spite. he's just full of spite. He's always been full of spite. He, he, like, he always has been. Uh, not, the, not the most likable guy in the world, I guess. But So, uh, yeah, it's uh, they, list, they made a list of, like, the potential buyers – if there was a sale going on, uh, Amazon, Comcast, Disney, you know, the usual multimedia suspects as it was. If you had a pick out of all, and I know you have a stake in the game, we're not shareholders or anything, but as far as keeping the product going and not changing too much, who would you picture to get, uh, getting the, uh, the deal done and taking over? As a wrestling fan and somebody who wants to see the WWE continue, if it goes to a streaming platform, it will die. Because people won't buy that platform just to see it. Some people, it it doesn't, it's one of the last few bastions of money on TV. You have live sports and wrestling. 
mm. and like news programs. So it's the only place it can really make money and add revenue because when you look at all the streaming platforms, they get these shows that do well. Mm-hmm. And then they just cancel them anyway because they're not quite doing well enough. And I guess if you're going to pay billions of dollars for a wrestling organization, you're probably going to give it a little while. But we just saw Warner Brothers can a can a, a Batwoman movie or Batgirl movie that was done. That had Michael Keaton come back as Batman. Mm-hmm. And they canned it so they could save money on taxes. It'll never see the light of day. And that cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So well, that's for them though. Yeah. So I would much rather see it stay on Comcast, like stay on USA Network. If it doesn't, I can see AEW's viewership go way up. It'll it will act as if it's the only thing going. I can't I don't get on Peacock. I have Peacock. And there are times I completely forget WWE pay-per-views and the network's even on it. Because, well, for one, it's I can't ever get it to, like, stay not loading. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always constantly wanting to load, and it's, it's buffering, and no matter what I do, everything else in my house will be running fine on Wi-Fi except for Peacock. Mm. So if they're wanting to move it to Peacock, it's going to be like that for Raw 2. And I don't get to record it. And Peacock's got that stupid thing where you can't just rewind in the middle of the show. Yeah, that, that bugs me too. It bugs me. Like, I don't watch wrestling or sports anymore without being able to fast forward. <laughs> I, I just, I don't like baseball. I'll fast forward like when people are trying to get picked off. Like, it, I, I can't do it. So, like, and I love baseball and mm-hmm. I love professional wrestling but i will fast forward through a lot of matches because oh it's that spot into that spot into that spot i i know this i'll I'll wait until i see something i like i'll stop for the but it's harder to do it's slightly harder to do on on streaming and that is enough for most people to not care about it (laughs) out of sight out of mind and i if you don't have peacock or if you don't have Disney or whatever it is, like Prime or whatever. I I don't have Disney and I love the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I would I wanted to see Loki and I eventually did. But there's a lot of stuff I've missed because I'm just not gonna buy another streaming service. I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I have Hulu because I watch Letterkenny and I liked a lot of the stuff on Hulu mm-hmm. and it's pretty cheap. And I still have the commercials. And I have Spotify for like nine dollars a month. Yeah. Like I, there's not all I the whole streaming thing has gotten dumb. It's it originally was started out being an alternative where you could save money and now you're spending more money. If you have all the streaming services, it's probably more than if you had a, de- a package on Dish Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh I don't have all of the wrestling streaming services. I've got, I've got Peacock. I had Peacock before WWE was on there, just because I would go back and watch like The Office and Parks and Rec stuff like that. And uh, I signed up for Honor Club 
after Tony made the announcement that they're going to be putting their show on there. Plus, they had the old uh, the old shows on there, so I can watch all the old ROH that I love from 10 years ago. And then uh, I've got New Japan World, and that's about all I really use for wrestling, is, uh, is watching those three. And then my wife's got Hulu, so like in this case, I, I wasn't able to watch Raw last night. So I just went on Hulu today, and it was they had about it condensed to about an hour and a half, hour forty-five, cut out some of the some of the filler and had the high spots on there. So I was able to catch up on that. Like they had uh, the tag team turmoil, Alexa's segment, and KO's match, and that was about it. So and that works out fine for me. And then Dynamite, they they don't have streaming. They're on uh, well on Hulu if you do that fancy sports package it costs an arm and a leg but other than that they're not on any other they're on the tnt app i guess or the tbs app but like they don't have the streaming service like the scale of a peacock or, or Amazon yeah. Prime. so kind of, but to me that kind of still makes it like destination television yeah definitely and it, i think it's right now it's more impressive because i remember when even 10 or 15 years ago that you know shows that were weren't getting a million viewers were just canceled yeah you know it's like oh you didn't get a million viewers for the night oh yeah well now a million viewers is a huge number like, and so you're only a few things that are getting those and so it's i think it will be good very good news for AEW if WWE moves to streaming. Because then yeah. there will be no competition on actual TV. And so if you want to watch wrestling, it'll be AEW. And then you can stream WWE, but I think their numbers will fall. I think their attendance will fall. I I think there's still enough old school in it. Because mm -hmm. I think that's... I think that's why football and baseball and basketball, all of them still have terrestrial roots. Mm -hmm. They know that some people get the NFL package, but people want to watch it on CBS. They want to watch it on ABC. They want to watch it on ESPN. They, they, they want that, you know, turning the channel to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If it's anybody, I'm hoping it's Comcast because USA won't let that go. That's Free content for them well not free but yeah you know it's three nights of prime time they don't have to put a lot of money into new projects or anything it's, uh, so yeah. that would help them then you never know they could bring back Saturday Night's main event on NBC for specials they can like I said they'll have all the best I still watch all the old stuff on Peacock like the old pay-per-views and everything like that and the old ECW and all all those old shows that we couldn't get before I mean that's well, the, still very valuable to me on, well, on Peacock the, the craziest thing is, so like, let's say they sell it to Comcast and Triple H is still booking and they're still doing all right and Nikon is still. But if anything shakes down at all and the ratings start to drop or there's a storyline that the network doesn't like, it's not going to be, oh, well, Vince has voting control or you have voting control. No, that's not going to be there anymore. They'll just fire them and hire their own people and then it will be another wcw i was about to say that that's the thing when the time they'll, ted, Tur they'll ted turner the crap out of it yeah. 
It wasn't even Ted Turner. It was Time Warner. They just yeah. They just put non-wrestling people in charge, and then at the end, they didn't give two shits about pro wrestling to begin with. So as soon yeah. as Ted kind of checked out on it, they were like, "Oh, we can just get rid of it." And then they yeah, sold it, it, it will it, because as soon as they or like Triple H is like, "Hey, I want to hire this guy." Now nah, we don't have that in the budget, mm-hmm. or we're gonna fire this guy. Well, why are you firing him? Uh, is is you know, his split rating isn't that great compared he, to this guy. Juice. Yeah, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't have the look we want, or and they can they'll be able to do that because they'll own it. And that's why part of, me hoping, part of me is hoping that The Rock would buy it. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. I don't think he has enough. You know, he'd have to get some uh, some partners. Oh, uh, he'd have to get partners. I mean, it wouldn't. It's let his mom run it. <laughs> She's ran. She's ran a promotion. She's got the Maivia blood in her. Well, it was his grandmother that ran uh, Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, Not it was Atta's mother, and then I forget what High Chief's widow's name is. Yeah. yeah, uh, They got they got that in their uh, legacy to be promoters. So. Well, I mean, he bought he bought the XFL, so he's got people that Mm -hmm. drop money, but he would have to have. He would have to find a home and on television for it. I think it'd be hilarious if you like him and Tony Khan went out, <laughs> and you just have everything. I'm pretty sure that if there's one person Vince would not sell to, it would be the Khan family. Uh, I don't think he'd, 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 he. I don't think he'd give him the satisfaction. No, but <laughs> I, I, I do think that like. Uh, Anybody who just jumped ship back to WWE because they were all excited, mm-hmm. they're having a real bad day. Yeah, they've been having a real bad week. I, I can I can almost I can almost tell you that they're like, oh crap, because <laughs> they all got fired because of Vince. Regal, perhaps. Maybe <laughs> Regal and Mia Yim and all those Anderson, Gargano and- Anderson and Gallo. Right. Gargano, all the smaller dudes. So, yeah, they're so hopefully, they're hopefully, and I know this is again pipe dream. Hopefully, Vince stays true to his word and lets Triple H and Khan kind of run things, and he stays out of the way, just focuses on the sale. But yeah, as long as the TV's good, you know. And you were, and you were talking about the how a million viewers is a lot now. I just wanted to look something up just for the hell of it. Uh, when the final episode of Mash aired in 1983, Gary. They got 105.9 million people in yeah. two and a half hours. Now that's 40 years ago. But that's unheard of now. The Super Bowl doesn't even get that. Yeah, no. People will they'll record it or watch it later, and that skews numbers, or they'll just watch highlights of it. Or yeah, those those old like shows where they. It was the last episode. They always got the huge amount of ratings, no matter what. So, like that piss poor Seinfeld finale from '98. Yeah, there's been some bad finales. Yeah, most of them are really underwhelming. Uh, so I'm not a big Sopranos fan, but I remember watching the the last episode of that one, and it was the final scene where it just went black. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I guess. <laughs> I guess you just decide for yourself what you want the ending to be. That's a, it was a choose your own adventure the whole time. Right. 
Oh, boy. So I think we have a new megastar on the horizon on Raw, Gary, from what I saw last night. And that is one uh, Cholo, Dominic Mysterio, with his prison outfit. Dami. No, prison hardens a man for 14 hours. I I think it's brilliant. Oh, so do I. He came out looking like Conan. His work's gotten much better. I wish he would put some muscle on. But he just... Because his his dad can, you know, his dad got thicker. And Dom Dom can move. He can work. He just needs to get a little bit bigger. And I think he would be... I think he's a solid... If you had like a European championship belt still, he would be the European champ right now. Oh, yeah. I can see that. And if you put some size on, because his, his mic work's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Oh, he was there in the painting last night. And his character's gotten a lot better. Rhea's really helped him with that. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it, it, it's, he's just right on the verge. He just needs mm-hmm. that look. I think this just to be a little more physically in his physical presence. Yeah, he uh, now from the looks of it, they've got the uh, title shot against the Usos coming up. I don't know if it's going to be on TV or they're saving it for the Rumble, but it's the match. They won tag team turmoil. It started being Priest and Balor in as a team. Uh, Finn hurt his ribs, so they so Adam Pierce substituted Dominic in for him, and Priest and Dominic wound up winning the match. Yeah, they freebirded. They freebirded. Yeah. So I don't know which two of them is going to challenge the Usos, but I mean, Priest and Dominic could be a fun tag team. Just Priest is the is the heavy, and then yeah. Dom just uses his is cheating to help him win. Which is aces. Oh, and I don't know if you noticed, uh, Dom does have a teardrop tattoo right there yeah. now on his. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> His two hour incarceration. Yeah. He got arrested because his mother slapped his girlfriend. Poor yeah. uh, buddy Matthews. Oh, buddy. <laughs> you can't get away from those damn Mysterios. He was stooping the daughter for a little bit on TV and then his real life <laughs> ladies with Dominic. Yeah. I forgot about Leah or Aaliyah. Aaliyah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Buddy in AEW. I'm hoping if what I'm hearing is true, maybe they'll have the House of Black and the Elite have a feud, which would hopefully mean that there might be some one on one matches with Omega and Black or Omega and and Murphy. Now, is tomorrow the blow off for the uh, best of seven? Yeah, tomorrow is the the ladder match. And, so, uh, so we should be uh, should be getting getting this with the X. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> oh, you'll be the loudest. I told you so. In the, <laughs> you will not be. You'll be impossible to live with after on the, on the next episode if that happens. It'll just be this. This episode was dedicated to the memory of all the marks. <laughs> Smart and otherwise. All the rubes. <laughs> I don't know. It would be the best time for it to happen. I've known Tony to not do things for the best time for it to happen. Yeah. 
I mean, they could win it, and then um, you could have, like, in a few shows, like, FTR come out, or not come out, but, like, you could have a mystery team, and then it would be FTR and Punk. Right. Because FTR just lost all their belts. Yeah, they are now beltless. They are now beltless. <laughs> so what better way would it be to get a belt? Yeah. And, I think they're primed for another. Uh, have I think they're more primed to make a run at the acclaimed and get those AEW belts back. But yeah. I mean, Punk and FTR against the Elite writes itself. Something just popped into my head, Gary. A memory, if you will, if uh, I can be spared an anecdote. The last time WWE was in Champaign, you and I went to the show. It was the night before Hell in a Cell. And, yeah. And the, it was supposed to have Cody against Seth. Yeah, the four forty seconds of Cody. Cody got hurt, so it was Seth got put into the three way match, and everybody, I we heard people complaining that Cody wasn't going to be there. It's like, oh, this is crap. We paid, we came to see Cody. Then boom, here comes the music. Out comes Cody, bat out of hell, takes out Seth, and runs to the back with him. He wasn't out. You said you went out there forty five seconds. No, it wasn't even forty five seconds. And you were laughing like the kid in the. <laughs> candy store you thought it was the funniest thing in the world <laughs> you fulfilled your contract hey i was paid to. <laughs> well that that it wasn't that like cody was hurt that made me laugh because i'd never laugh at that no because no. that's just not funny but what was, was hilarious the- was it was hey cody i know you're hurt and i know you're still gonna work this cage match because you know you're so hurt that it doesn't matter right but we're still going to make you leave your house, get on a plane, fly, pressurize that area of your body, mm-hmm. come all the way to Champaign, Illinois for 35 seconds of a run. Right. And then drive to Chicago for a pay-per-view. And then drive to Chicago for <laughs> But don't worry, when you get there, we'll have cortisone for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll have an ice pack. Yeah, they showed that interview with him last night where they were showing highlights of like his when he was hurt. He was yeah. like print wrapped. They put like plastic wrap around his torso to like keep the yeah. pepper on. Yep. But we should be getting him back at the rumble. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. And uh yeah. I don't know, uh listening to Busted Open today, Gary, and they seem pretty convinced that it's going to be not The Rock, but Cody facing Roman at Mania. Man, I want, at this point, you have, I would have Owens and Cody Rhodes and Reigns in a three-way for all the titles, and then the fall, do the same thing, do the falls, where it's... Is it Angle Benoit Jericho finish? Yeah, and then... Uh, I'd still have Sammy turn on him and help Owens get the belt. And and then you either have Owens versus Reigns after Cody takes a fall, or you have Cody and Reigns, and then you have Cody go over clean. Or close as clean as possible. Or you could even, even if you wanted The Rock, and maybe The Rock's not wanting to actually do a match, he could do you know, a run-in, or he could be special referee or yeah. something. And yeah. See, I kind of I kind of think it should it should be one-on-one. 
Cody and Roman. It, the story is, is there, you know, the Rhodes family and the Anawaii family and yeah, you know, who's the down and it's it's in Cody's music. Wrestling has more only more than one royal family. He says it before his song kicks in. That's kind of the thesis of, of the feud if it was to happen. But I don't know. I mean it's uh from what it looked like with theory when it came out, the first thing he said with the microphone was the champ is here it makes me think that he's gonna get Cena. Well so I'm sure Cena will be there. Oh I, I would imagine. And I'm sure he'd be happy to put theory over uh that that's been rumored for months, ever since like Survivor Series. But uh, yeah, they're starting to kind of—I don't know what the, all the plans are for Mania right now. There's a lot of theories out there that Charlotte's going to wrestle Bianca and unify the women's titles. Uh, there's talk about splitting the men's titles. You know, you never know. Uh, but uh, it remains to be seen. They're saying now Edge and Balor at the Rumble and Hell in a Cell, maybe. Well, I mean, they got to do the blow off of that eventually. Oh yeah. And if you don't, if you don't have Beth versus Rhea at Mania, where I mean, I figured they'd do a mixed tag at Mania of uh, Finn and Rhea against Edge and Beth. Yeah, well, that works too. But but yeah, they got to get Beth back out there, or else she's going to look like a chump. Yeah, and she can still work. So yeah. it's not like. She's still in better shape than most of the women on the roster. Oh, and uh, can we take a second to rejoice, Gary? We haven't talked since uh, a couple SmackDowns ago when uh, Ronda is no longer the SmackDown Women's Champion. Yes. <laughs> I think our credo was anyone but Ronda. And, uh, and, and that's what we got. Yeah, we got Charlotte, and that's still going to piss off a lot of people, but I'm fine with it. I don't yeah, necessarily the like the way I don't like the way they did it. Who's weird it how they did it. But uh, yeah, if you got the best, you got to use the best, and for better or worse, Charlotte is the best they got. Oh yeah. Bianca could be, but she still needs some time. Athletically, I think she is. But as far as work and psychology, all that stuff, she has a lot to a lot to learn. But uh, let's see. So let's put a pin in Vince uh, figuratively, not literally. So last Wednesday, Gary, we had Wrestle Kingdom. We kind of discussed a little bit FTR losing the uh, IWGP tag titles. Overall, I thought it was a really good show. They went back to just doing one night the last couple of years they did too, but uh, they kind of condensed it back down again. But there was some cool stuff in there. Uh, most of the championships changed, but uh, the one thing that bugs me is that they put the damn world title back on Okada again. I can't stand him. He, well, you know my feelings on Okada. I know your feelings on Okada. And I get that he's their top guy, but I'm, I'm just not a fan. I, I can't get behind Okada. What's crazy is, like, their two top guys are Tanahashi and Okada forever. Uh-huh. And they're both the least strong style guys they have. Like, they're more, like, pro-wrestling than just wrestling. Like, they're just, they're more sports entertainment than any of their other workers, than any of them. And they keep pushing them, and everybody loves them. Yeah. And they seem to. But Okada just has never caught my eye. I don't get it. Yeah. But they seem to. Impact ruined him for me. 
they they seem to love him. So I mean, I guess you you go with what you got. I mean, Japan's always kind of been like that. You always have the one guy that always has the belt. And OP and back when, in the day, Fujinami for a long time. Yeah. Uh, or like Masawa had it constantly, yeah. and and it's not like they were bad. well. Some of, some of them weren't bad. Masawa was amazing. I love Masawa, but I'm, you know me, I'm more of a Kabashi guy. Yeah. But, like, some of the guys, they were just old and big. <laughs> that was, yeah. like, the prerequisite to have That's a title. Really. <laughs> but, I, I don't know. I don't understand why you put it back on Okada. You have so many different guys. I, I, I think they said the Switchblades deal's coming up. Oh. Uh, so maybe that's why. Because he dropped the title, then the next day at New Year's Dash, he made a match with uh, Hiko Ayo, uh, the, the Tongan's younger brother. And it's a uh, stipulation loser of Easy Japan, which could go either way, because I've heard that WWE has interest in Hiko Ayo and Tamatanga. So I don't know if that's they're going to go, or this could be Jay White's ticket to the U.S. Maybe he's going to go sign with AEW full time, maybe Impact full time. You never know. Well, well, I don't know how much, like the top guys in New Japan have to probably make enough, right? That that oh, impact sure. isn't going to be their biggest option. Because yeah, if they're not making enough for impact to steal them, then they're in trouble. Right. Well, I know. Uh, is the wolf pack coming? <laughs> no, there's just an idiot in our, in, in, out by the railroad tracks shooting off a gun. Oh, fun. So, it's making all of the dogs go crazy. Uh, I can see how that would happen. Uh, but no, with the, I know Minoru Suzuki, he has a business on the side along with wrestling. I think he runs a clothing store or something. That's sensible male. I, I, I think that's where they got the really nifty Suzuki-gun uh, tracksuits. Yeah. Which, I still want one of those, by the way. Someday, um, I'm going to be strolling down... Neil Street and Champagne were my Suzuki Goon tracksuit and have Kazanina Ray playing on my phone. And uh, nobody will know what the hell I'm doing. No. But uh, but no, like I know Tanahashi and Okada, I think they do movies over in Japan too. Well, yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, Naito, I'm not sure what his deal is. Like Naito's a guy that, man, I would have strapped that whole company to that his back. I think they did it very significantly. I he's got tons of charisma. Oh yeah, he can work. He can work different styles, and I would I yeah he would have been my guy, but they keep I, going back to Okada. Yeah, I like Naito. He's one of those guys. He's kind of got that Steve Austin thing where he can work babyface or heel and not change anything about his style. Yeah, but he's always gonna cheat. <laughs> just be kind of a kind of an asshole. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the guy who I kind of want them to strap the rocket to is the guy uh, just won the TV title over there last week. Was Zach Saber Jr. And he's kind of got that mix of he's got they call it British strong style, which I'm not sure difference between that and I think it's more chain wrestling based. Yeah. But you see, I've seen him have matches with Ishii and Okada and all those guys and just tear them apart. I mean, he almost ripped 
Tanahashi's arm off in a match I remember seeing a couple years ago. But he's one of those guys that they could put the world title on him and then he could just challenge anybody. And they, no matter who it is, if they're a big, strong guy, he just has that wrestling base and he can just submit anybody. And uh, I'm also, I, I do like British wrestling, though. So that's kind of got a soft spot for, for uh, Zach Sabre Jr. Uh, the uh, other big thing from uh, <laughs> things we've got to talk about from Wrestle Kingdom, Gary, uh, Mercedes Monet debuted, former Sasha Banks. and She, she looked good. I mean, yeah, the hair was a little weird. I don't know what the yeah. deal is with the blue splotches in there. Uh, the promo was not great. I, I really couldn't hear much of it because I was trying to watch it on YouTube. You didn't miss much. There's a lot of talking over it. Yeah, it's uh, my buddy Menders, who I do the zero one shootout with. Uh, she saw it before I did, and she just could not speak more illy of that promo. <laughs> and I went, and then I watched it the next day after she told me about it, and it, yeah, it was awful. Too many well, money money puns, and you know, her finish is sloppy because she hit yeah, Holly with this gory bomb DDT thing that they just completely botched in the post match on Kyrie's match. Well, I mean, I'm more upset that she's immediately going after Kyrie because Kyrie is red hot right now. Yeah. Like that match he just had, I think we talked about last time, was incredible. Yeah. And she's always been an incredible worker. WWE just, like, they let her get hurt. And mm-hmm. they let her get, they, they didn't protect her the way they should have protected her. And when you had EO Sky coming in, they you should have had them either wrestle each other because Lord knows they could have put on a show or tag or right. put them in a faction with Asuka. I would have much preferred EO and Kyrie as a tag team than EO and Dakota. And I like Dakota. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I think the, I think the main reason they did it is because they got a show in San Jose coming up and that's the only match they've announced so far is Kyrie and Sasha. True. I'm sorry. Yeah. I got to stop calling him Sasha. That's going to give me some heat. But the, yeah. yeah, so far that's the only match, and I think they're close to a sellout, which says a lot for why they brought her in. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's probably got the most recognizable name in that company right now outside of Japan. Yeah. So, uh, other big occurrence. Uh, well, Machine Gun Carl Anderson defended his title over there on Wednesday, and uh, dropped it to Tama. You know, did the honors on the way out. But it was kind of cool because he was wearing the OC gear during the show. He didn't have the Bullet Club stuff on. Yeah. Even though he was still representing the Bullet Club. And, uh, yeah, just put him over clean. Took, and uh, got on a plane, came back over here, and started working the house show loop again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think they said that show they had uh, WWE, AEW, Impact Talent all on one card, which is... Hasn't, I don't think it's really happened since uh, AEW came around. But, uh, yeah, because you had Omega coming in. You had Anderson coming in. I think you had uh, Leo Rush was on there. So they really kind of – they probably like, unloaded both barrels on that show to get the – because it was the first show that the fans were allowed to cheer. You know, they for a long time, they'd only been able to clap their hands. Oh, yeah. COVID protocols, but this uh, Wrestle Kingdom was the first time they were actually allowed to make noise. So I think they wanted to get as much bang for their buck as they could, no pun intended, 
young bucks. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so overall, I thought it was a really good show. I enjoyed New Year's Dash the next day. Um, I watched them both back to back. My wife loved that because she was trying to work in the other room, and all she heard was Japanese wrestling in the living room. But uh, yeah, so they're setting up some cool stuff there. Uh, they did have Muda's uh, last New Japan match on that show. See, yeah, I, I was I, I watched all the highlights of that. I got to see most of that match. I was much more excited for that than I was for Osprey versus Omega. <laughs> but that's just me. I mean, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, take crap for that. But like, right. but yeah. the the match with Muda, like Muda's getting old, and like if his knees weren't well, his his knees have been bad since. The nineties. Yeah. <laughs> so, I remember there was always a rumor he was retiring because his knees were bad. Mm-hmm. Like they're basically blown completely out. And he's still working. And yeah. that's why he's having to stop is his knees. Yeah. And so he can't do the moonsault anymore. But him and Nakamura put on a really, really good match. It it wasn't anything super duper fancy. There was, you know, some Outside brawling, there was a lot of misfit. Mm-hmm. Some of that is a little awkward to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, hey. Yeah. But I did think it was cool that the WWE let Nakamura go over and do that. Yeah. Nakamura's the, entrance was awesome. Right. Classic and, Nakamura, like Japan Nakamura, too. Wasn't, uh, yeah. And uh, it was a really good match. It was a really funny uh, interview process because basically, it was just Muda saying bye bye, <laughs> literally. It's, uh, very good, bye bye. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then Doctor Moore spoke for like a half hour. <laughs> but that was see that was the only thing I liked about what I saw from the Omega and Osprey match. Like their exit interviews, like Osprey's was probably the best work he's ever done. Yeah, it was good. Like on the mic, it was really good. It was believable. It was convincing. I I don't ever think Kenny Omega is going to be good on a microphone. He'll be serviceable, which yeah, is why got, he's got Don. I was going to say, he's got Don Callis. And he'll do, he'll, he'll elevate that title for as long as he has it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, sounds like he's got uh, Jeff Cobb as his first challenger. Yeah. Which, uh, I like Jeff Cobb. He's one of those big bruisers that, that we like, you know. It would uh, be a it would be a shame if you know somebody came along and screwed that up for <laughs> Whatever do you mean? Oh I, I they're gonna they'll have to have him versus Osprey again. Oh, there's gonna be a rematch at some point. It seemed like they're gonna let it build for like a year. He gave himself like the year timeline. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that was to get him back to the world title. Because remember, he never lost that world title. It was an uh, injury. He broke his neck. So then he had to forfeit it. So I don't know. Maybe that's that's the whole deal. He's going to work his way back up and challenge Okada again. I don't know, man. Like Osprey and Omega, like you saw what happened with Omega how long he was out with how many injuries he had because yeah. he just kept working through him and kept doing stupid stuff after stupid mm-hmm. stuff. He, he worked a pretty smart match on uh, Wrestle Kingdom, though, for Omega's yeah. uh, scale, you know. Yeah. 
I, I did enjoy the putting his foot through the table and then doing the Jack Nicholson, like peeking through the hole. Yeah. That was silly, but overall, and I like Osprey. He, Osprey works a lot smarter now than he did even two years ago. Well, he has to. I know we've talked before about when he was doing the uh, junior heavyweight stuff and we thought he's going to kill himself one of these days. Same thing with Kota Ibushi back in the day. Oh, yeah. Ibushi was just doing stupid stuff. Just... Mm-hmm. He's chasing the pop. Yeah. And it was, yep. a nice, it was a nice touch where Omega did the uh, Kamagoye, you know, Ibushi's finish during that match too. But uh, I just thought they were a good tag team. The uh, unusually named Golden Lovers. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It must. It might be something that got lost in the translation. Maybe it's something weird. It's a really cooler name in Japan, Japanese. Something weird in Japanese. That's all. <laughs> but not one to knock it. That's one. Stacy makes fun of me because I was one of say I say I went over in Japanese so I can understand the promos. <laughs> but they had the little British guy with Kevin Kelly doing the translations during during the show, so that helped out. Uh, so we talked about FTR losing their titles, they, and in the last month, they lost them all. Uh, yeah. AAA, Ring of Honor, IWGP, and a uh, really, really good match with uh, Goto and Yoshihashi, Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, expect nothing less out of FTR. You know, they're always, always good. From what I understand, AAA is like swearing off. Anybody except for like I think they said Omega getting another title, and I guess it was because of Tay and Sammy. Yeah, there was some there's some heat between AAA and uh, New Japan, but that went back before Tay and Sammy. That's why uh, that Forbidden Door pay per view they didn't uh, have hardly anybody from uh, AAA there. It was just yeah. it was just FTR defending the uh, or not even defending. They just came out with the titles, but. Penta and Phoenix weren't allowed to be on the show. Andrade wasn't on the show. And, uh, yeah, so it's, I think there's some there's some kind of deep-seated heat there that I don't know about. Uh, one thing that uh, I will mention, we'll kind of get off of uh, Wrestle Kingdom, Gary, but uh, PWG had the Battle of Los Angeles the, over the weekend, you know, the big tournament over there two days. And uh, Mike Bailey, uh, speedball from Impact, won the tournament. But the I think the bigger story is that Jericho showed up and had a match in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. It was him and uh, him, Sammy Garcia, and then uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange against some of the uh, top guys in PWG in a like a multi man match. But it's like it seems like Jericho's kind of living his best life right now in wrestling. Because he's basically able to do whatever he wants to, and people will pay him to come to their shows and and do the thing, you know. Because I wouldn't have ever pictured him going to PWG. Because I mean, I know it's popular, but it still seems like one of the more small time territories. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic with him because I know he's pretty super conservative in certain things. And then you hear him talk or you watch him do things and he does things really the right way and other stuff. And mm-hmm. so he, he really like in the ring and in life kind of straddles that line 
like he's walking that tightrope all the time and he he just seems to do what he wants to do and what he feels like he should do mm-hmm. because he's he's putting over people that nobody's ever heard of because he just thinks that they're going to be a star someday yeah. and he's going to PWG and for no other reason and he knows he's ending he's coming to the end of his career but he's smart enough to realize that he can remake himself as many times as he needs to and that on the way there he can keep people coming up and anybody who says that he's somehow dragging that company down they're idiots yeah not a chance they can they can write in they can say whatever they want like Look at all the people he's elevated in AEW since yeah. he like not just Sammy, you know, then Garcia, uh this kid actually Andretti who I'd never heard of before he pinned him on TV. Then he had a he took a loss from Starks, I think, right? Last yeah. year. And uh yeah, he's he'll get his he'll get his wins easy enough to he, he's Teflon. He can do whatever he wants in that company, and he's not going to get hurt by losses or getting kicked into a big tub of champagne and orange juice or, you know, any of that stuff. Or wearing sparkly outfits that look ridiculous. But, uh, I mean, shit, J.K. Hager got a purple hat over, and nobody would have thought that would happen. <laughs> he looks ridiculous. But, uh, but no, there's... A lot of, and that's there's a lot of A plus talent in AEW that it seems like if it wasn't for Jericho, they wouldn't quite be on that level yet. Oh, it, with without Jericho, that whole company would have lasted about a year. It would have never got the TV deal. I, this is something else anybody can yell or scream about that it's the absolute god's honest truth. Kenny Omega. Young Bucks, all those other people they had there, not going to carry that company for this long. No. You had to have Jericho do what he did. Got to have And you had Moxley come in and be a completely different John Moxley. Mm-hmm. Be basically just this guy that just goes out and beats people up. It was a different look. But you had Jericho there to be his foil. Yeah, two guys that knew how to work, knew how to work a mic, knew how to work a program, and without Jericho, they're not getting through to the pandemic. And Jericho flew people in his private plane. He did all kinds of stuff during that time mm-hmm. to get them shows. And like, as far as I know, like that's how like Brody's wife and his kid were getting back and forth a lot of yeah. times to the hospital and I, th- I think he had a lot to do with that and uh i'm um, it also i'm sure but but it's just like that guy put that whole company on his back mm-hmm. and then when it was time to drop the title he dropped the title and moved on and then he went on to put over orange cassidy who at the time people were still considering a joke and you yeah, see I... how far he's come after that yeah up to like this last week i think it was on battle of the belts yeah he, he had a really really good match with kip saving hmm. so and there was good, though. and it was a, a completely different side of him they finally let him kind of 
be mad. Yeah. And like this, like I really enjoyed the story they were telling with Kip being like more of the orange type and just doing the little kicks and punches mm, and trying to get under his skin. And he did. And mm. it's uh, it's but that took somebody like Jericho giving Cassidy legitimacy mm-hmm. that you could do that later. Because if he would have just been Orange Cassidy like he was when he showed up that barely did anything, he would have never gotten to this point. Jericho drew that out of him, forced that match to happen, made himself look like an idiot <laughs> because he knew he was going to make a star. Yeah, it's uh, the booker in me. What I want to see happen, and I don't know if it ever will, but with Jericho, and he can he can have an entertaining feud with anybody, even like everybody did that song and dance number with MJF, which I thought was yeah. ridiculous, but still mildly entertaining. I want to see Jericho in a long run with Danhausen. <laughs> even, even if they only wrestle like twice, just the promos back and forth will be gold. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, I love my Dan Housen, you know, I get, uh, I got my Dan Housen. Like, I was really surprised to hear Dan Housen is the, uh, 2022 number one seller on PWTs ahead of even punk and anybody else in AEW, you know, Moxley, all those guys and Dan Housen, you just, things Dan Housen grinds, man, even not on the show. If you go to his YouTube channel, he's always doing stuff. He's always get his face out there. And I think that's how and that's how we got over during the pandemic is just, you know, a lot of people were kind of sitting on their thumbs trying to figure out what to do next. And Housen was making content. Yeah. And he was and it helped him pay the bills. And uh, that's how I really got to be familiar with Dan Housen was when he was on Conan's podcast. Uh, yeah. And then after that, I went back and I watched some of the Ring of Honor stuff because I'd seen him before, but it was always during like when my band was playing and then they'd have Ring of Honor on mute above the bar. So I just see this skinny dude with tattoos and his face painted carrying a jar of teeth. And that's like, man, that's stupid as hell. Then I listened to him do interviews later on. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's onto something. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's. He's just, I can't get enough. He's my favorite uh, guy in AEW right now. Except maybe Eddie Kingston might have him uh, uh, have him beat there. But my brother, he's on the ball. He just texted me, hey, Stephanie just resigned. Like, yeah, we brought it up. <laughs> uh, it's always good to get help from the, from the family. But... Uh, yeah, he uh, he had a, he had some fun with us a couple couple episodes ago. We were doing our year in review, and uh, so he always sends his regards. We're gonna get him on sometime once again. And uh, see where there we go. Oh, I hear the door. I think the wife is home. Yep. All right. So I think. We have covered all. Oh, there's something else I wanted to mention to you, Gary. And I want to, I know you might get grumpy about this. How do you feel about Darby Allen beating Samoa Joe for the TNT championship? I did I not didn't, like it. I didn't like when they did it. I didn't mind him doing it. But I don't understand 
having the angle with Wardlow and then having basically two weeks later him dropping the belt to Darby Allen. I think the reason they did it is because it's in Seattle and that's his hometown, but that seems like a, kind of a dumb reason to, to do a story. I mean, I would have I would have at least had Wardlow come out and cost him the match. But instead, they dropped it, like, clean to Darby. That's cool, yeah. And like, I would have no... had not cost, maybe not cost him the match, but I would have had Joe, like, go to yeah. hit him with the chair and get stopped or something right. by Wardlow. Yeah. You don't have to have him hit him or anything. It's just keep him from being a heel. Right. So, but, yeah, so, it didn't make sense. Yeah, it's at the risk of sounding too much like Jim Cornette. I just, I can't by Darby Allen beating Samoa Joe clean in the middle of the ring. No, I can't buy Darby <laughs> Allen beating anybody super clean. Like it's just, it's mostly because he is so absolutely like bent on destroying his body. Yeah. That as much damage as he does to himself on purpose in a match, it would be hard for him to still have enough anything left to pin somebody that big or, yeah, or do himself off of everything through yeah. everything it's just yep it yeah I, i've never been a big darby fan i know my, our buddy narge is a big darby fan i was actually half expecting sting to turn on him after that match is over when darby i think yeah i thought Darby. i thought they should have turned darby heel no no, they got to turn Sting heel on Darby. Nobody's going to see it coming. Yeah. Make him the bitter old man, you know? Yeah. Bitter old Sting. Uh, so, something popped into my head talking about Moxley and everything he's on. He kind of reminds me of like AEW's version of Brody, but not the tall, hairy guy. Just kind of a. He just runs through the crowd and. Just hussing everywhere. What? Just hussing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the, put the hand out. Boom, berserk, as it were. But the, there will only be one Brody. I think we'll agree on that. So. Yeah, it's probably good. <laughs> I don't know. Brody Lee could have pulled off the Brody thing. He kind of was doing that when he was doing the trucker gimmick on the indies. Yeah. But not with the furry boots and he was able to speak articulately. But that's not true. Brody could, too. He was the intelligent monster for a reason. So that was unfair of me, and I apologize to his estate. Uh, I think we can move on, Gary. It's uh, we're, we're rolling along. If, if you can hear me all right with your infected ear and whatnot, I'm sure you'll come on next episode with this deviated septum of some sort. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> You have your head wrapped up, Spirit of 76 style. We're going to have, we start running the contest every, for every episode. What's going to be wrong with Gary? And people just guess different medical problems. Yeah. Oh, oh light, not serious. Like, we're not going to say you're having a heart transplant or something. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, it can't be any worse than my cat. We, Thought we broke her foot this weekend, but she seems like she's all right. She was milking it a little bit for a couple days. She was what she do? Just fell. Well, Stacy stepped on her foot on accident uh, when she was walking. You know, the cat likes to get underfoot. 
and then she was limping around for a couple of days, but I think she's all right. She seems like she's about back to normal. Gary, we have uh, digressed into pet talk, and we need to stop that because that's not why our listeners are listening to this episode to hear about our pets. Although they do lose their pets. Yeah. More like millions. The millions and the millions. <laughs> All right, Gary, what do you say we go to the uh, Hall of Fame segment here? We got a, and we put it, I put it out there uh, this week for uh, our listeners if they have somebody that they want to nominate to put, give us their ideas. We got some good ones, but I already had this week's uh, choice pick before everybody put their votes in, so those will start getting counted uh, on the next episode. But uh, it's kind of an easy one. I guess it's always most of them are no-brainers. But considering uh, he just had a match on Wednesday, our, uh, our latest inductee, Gary, is boom. KG Muto, the great Muta. Uh, he's the guy that got me into Japanese wrestling back when I was nine years old, eight years old in WCW. When uh, Did I? Gary Hart brought him in. Did I send you the I, – I found – after that match, I was looking around, and there was this British dude that broke down the entire history of the mist. No, I don't think. Think you that. It's if on you YouTube. It. And, uh, like, the first guy who did it was, like, Kabuki, but he did it down in Texas. It was, yeah. it was Gary Hart, and it was, like, mm-hmm. Listerine and food coloring in a condom. In a condom, and like the tip of a condom, they would cut like the condom tip, and then they would tie it, and then they would just put it in his mouth, and they would pop that, and that's oh, okay. that's how they got so the mist. Okay, that makes sense. So I don't know if that's still, I don't know if that's still the preferred way to do it, but I know that. I don't know. But he he uh that he took it all the way from there, but yeah, it started in America down in Texas. Then they gave it to Muda because he was they were wanting to make him a face. And at that time, like that's how they were doing it. And uh it's yeah, it's just but now it's become he just took it to a completely different level because like Muda, man, that guy is so good. Yeah. Like he was insanely good. Like his character wasn't fantastic. The older he got, like he got bulkier, but he was he changed, like his yeah. style, and the ma- the new masks he wears are just mm-hmm. insanely really awesome. Yeah, and but yeah, he was doing things just it wasn't even that he was like he'd do the moonsault, but like just the way he would move around the ring, and then to you know of course Tajiri pretty much stole that entire entire gimmick, <laughs> but. It was still pretty good. Yeah, and they gave it to Oscar. Yeah, uh, and they gave it to Oscar. Yeah. Now, remind me, you might know this better than me. Uh, when Muda first came around, did Gary Hart try to pass him off as Kabuki's son? Um, I if that if I remember that video right, I want to say yeah, because that I wasn't even the original. It wasn't even as. The, the crazy thing is the Kabuki they had wasn't even the original Kabuki. It was like there was a Kabuki in Japan, and then the Kabuki in America was just, they just stole the gimmick, basically. 
is who is going to stop him. Well, I know who did that with Kendo Nagasaki, too. There was a yeah. British guy doing the gimmick in Europe, and then there was the Japanese guy they brought over to Mid-South. Yeah, and because, like, Gary Hart worked. basically said, if you don't see me with him, it's probably just some other person wearing makeup or right. a mask. And it was whatever, whatever nationality they needed that guy to be. So, right. uh, give me a grade, Gary. Muda in the NWO, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, it really didn't matter. So, like, <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> Everybody was in there. I think he yeah. was in there solely to do it in New Japan, him and Chono. Yeah. In Norton. But yeah, they bring him over. They had him and Chono job out to the Steiner brothers every time they were trying to chase the outsiders. And the best thing that ever happened with Muda and the NWO was when he missed in Sonny Ono. Because Chono had joined the NWO and then Muda, or Sonny brought Muda in to, to wrestle Chono and get payback. And then Muda just turned around and blew mist in Sonny's face and Sonny sold it like a chant. Because Sonny's awesome. They invented the selfie after all. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, Muda, I thought I had to put Muda in. Nard will be happy with this because he loves Muda. But he, like I said, he's the guy that got me interested in Japanese wrestling just from watching him with Sting in Japan in uh, WCW back in the day. And then that moved on to getting me into Chono and then Hashimoto, all those New Japan guys. Yeah, Muda was like Muda was up there. I mean, my guy probably was um, Ultimo Dragon, then Liger, then Muda. I do love Dragon. And then once I got further in, it was Misawa and all those guys, and then yeah. Hanson. And you know, yeah. At the time, I was watching yeah. Dragon's Gate. And, yeah. With all those crazy guys. And so it was, yeah, but man, like during that time, it was, it was really a great mixture of guys who could still sell, but do high spots. Yeah. Yeah. Muda was really the, the whole package because he wasn't a small guy, but his posture no. always made him seem like he was small. Yeah. And he could throw heavyweights and then go do a moonsault and you know all that stuff. I don't know. I think a future induction might have to be the uh, collective four pillars of heaven from from Noah and all Japan. It was Kobashi, Masawa, Tawe, and Kawada. And I think if they go in, they're gonna have to go in as a group. But uh, I know how much you love Kawada with the. Uh, just kicking the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest memes anybody ever sent me, you sent me a picture. Is that for Kanye showed his ass at the Emmys or whatever the award show was? And you sent me a meme that somebody had made, and it was somebody had pasted Kanye's face on somebody. Uh, I don't I, know who it was. It was, the, it was the only meme I've ever made. <laughs> oh, you made that. Okay. But yeah, it was Kanye on somebody's head. And then Kawada just kicking his face off. Yeah. <laughs> just good stuff. Because I think we've all wanted to do that to Kanye in some form or fashion. 
that I saw, and you know Tai Chi, the uh, from Japan, from New Japan. Uh, yeah, he was Kawada's young boy back in, I think it was in Noah, and I saw footage one time of Kawada getting ready for a match like in the locker room, and Tai Chi's holding his robe or towel or whatever, and Kawada just like motions him like get over here, and he puts the thing down, comes over, puts his hands behind his back. And then Kawada just throws a kick right to his solar plexus, just to, as a yeah. just to warm up. <laughs> so yeah. he was his pumping bag. I'm like, man, they don't, they wouldn't pay me enough to just take a kick from Kawada for just for for stretching, just to warm up. Yeah. No, he That's kicked it. real hard. Yes. It seems like everybody in that group had. One thing they did really, really well. Kawada had the kicks. Masawa did the forearms and you know, the rolling elbow and all that. Kabashi was the chops. And Taui was kind of like the all-around technical wrestler out of the group, you know? Well, and then you had Aki. Akiyama, okay. Akiyama had the exploders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Takiyama. Who I think Suzuki is still raising money for him. Because uh, he's been having health problems. Oh, is it? Yeah, I forget what the exact nature of it was, but yeah, Suzuki has like been doing fundraisers for years in Japan to help him pay his uh, his medical costs, which is like it's it's cool, but you wouldn't picture that from Suzuki because he's for all intents purposes evil. Yeah. (laughs) But also one of my also one of my favorite wrestlers though. He's one of my favorite guys in New Japan. Oh, he is. He might be the greatest heel in wrestling. Yeah, because he does it with a smile on his face. And you know what they say, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, Gary. Yeah. But he's got the yeah. whole deal. He's got the awesome music. He's got the track suits, which I've already discussed how much I want one of those Suzuki Goon track suits. But they're going to be collector's items now because Suzuki Goon's done. They're not a group anymore. Really? They, they disbanded the faction. I mean, there's still like subgroups that are like, I think Suzuki and Desperado are going for the tag titles at some point. Uh, Sabre Jr.'s out altogether. He's with TMDK now. Uh, and then, yeah, like, <laughs> there's a group. They announced it at uh, New Year's Dash. Taka Michinoku, Taichi, Kanamaru, and Doki. It's four of the guys from Suzuki. And, and their group is just called Just Four Guys. <laughs> because they couldn't think of a name. But Taka's the mouthpiece. Which... Yeah. <laughs> Surprise, uh, Taka's been let back into the business over there. Yeah, he doesn't wrestle a lot anymore, but he's uh, he's a name, so no. they, they keep him on. He got caught cheating on his wife. That was Taichi. Oh, Taka did too. Oh, Taka did also? Man, those Suzuki yeah. guys are real jobs. So but, that's uh, very much looked down upon. Yeah, that's, yeah people get like, fired from companies for that. Yeah, I think yep. Taichi actually. Didn't, I think he got. I don't think it was. I think it might have been Noah might have like mooted him when he did that. I don't know yeah. if he cheated with the whole lot eight, but you know, I don't know. Uh, also, you. I don't know if you noticed Dick to Dick. Uh, it's not Dick to go. Dick Togo from yeah. uh, Tai was in New Japan. He's Evil's uh, mouthpiece in Bold Club. So I'm just waiting for somebody needs to snap up Min's Teo and uh, Funaki over there and get all the Kaintai guys together. 
Funaki somehow managed to make it in WWE forever and just never left. Apparently, he does something. Yes, everything. He's like the. I think isn't he like the go between with all with the Japanese talent and probably maybe doing. I think he still does Japanese commentary. He's a huge Packers fan. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> He's going to have a lot of free time in the next few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Your things make me happier than the misery of Packers fans and <laughs> their quarterback. Oh, grumpy Aaron. So, Gary, do you want to get into our top ten list? Sure. We're, we're making really good time. It's uh, Top Ten Tuesday. And uh, we're going to plenty of time to talk about this because, you know, why not? Uh, it's so good to try to, to It's good to try to squeak us in under two hours. <laughs> yeah, that's that's ideally the uh, preferred time. But uh, so we were talking about strong style stuff and uh, we mentioned Kobashi a little bit. But our subject today, Gary, is uh, greatest choppers in wrestling. Whether it's overhand chops, the knife edge, whatever. So I got my list of the 10 best. And we're going to start at number 10 because you have to start at number 10. Bob Holly. There's nothing he liked more than chopping rookies. Uh, yeah. Didn't like I selling. What? No. <laughs> I remember the Royal Rumble, I think it was 05. And I'm sorry for the visual of Rico's ass in the corner in this picture. Tried to find pictures of the guys actually doing chops. But the 2005 Rumble, it was Bob Holly, Benoit, and Eddie Guerrero just chopping the shit out of Daniel Pewter because I think he ran his mouth a little bit backstage. So well, after the, whole, after the whole thing with Angle, where he tried to shoot on Angle and uh -huh. put him in a key yeah, lock in yeah. a wrestling match. Uh -huh. Almost dislocated yeah. his elbow. So, yeah, yeah so. we spent about three minutes just beating the piss out of him in the ring there. I think that was the uh, receipt. But yeah, Bob, he always did good chops. Uh, they always sounded good, which is really the most important thing about a chop is that they sound good. Yeah. Because I know you were with me at the Zero One show when Camaro Jackson was chopping somebody. I forget who it was. And it was just, the sound was echoing off of the walls. And it sounded painful. Yeah, which is all. It's all you can expect out of a good chop, and Camaro throws a hell of a chop. But uh, he's uh, one of my honorable mentions. Uh, also, I didn't put Roderick Strong on this list, even though he probably has the hardest chops in the business outside of probably outside of these ten guys. And uh, yeah, yeah. So and then Hogan, that's all he ever did was chop and eye rake and back rake and cheat. So he's an honorable mention. Uh, number nine. Yeah, Samoa Joe, uh, pretty much the closest thing that the U.S. had to a Japanese strong style guy for a few years in the mid 2000s. And uh, yeah, this uh, this photo here, I've got him chopping Kobashi. This is from the match in Ring of Honor, which is the first time I'd seen Kobashi. The first time I really got to see Joe because I didn't uh, watch a lot of Impact until about the end of 05. And that match, they were just chopping the hell out of each other in the hamburger meat. And uh, I don't know, you might see another picture from this match later on in the countdown. But uh, yeah, Joe, he's one of those guys, he just likes beating up people. <laughs> yeah. 
He'd chop you in the back, chop you in the chest, chop you in the face. It's, uh, yeah, he's, it's one of those guys I love watching Joe because he would do the strikes, he would do, then he would do the submissions. He could, he could do everything. And he didn't look like an X Division guy, you know, being 280 some pounds, but he could fly around as well as anybody. The only so, thing I, the only reason I didn't like Joe more until later on, it just, it was the same reason that I had issues with Taz, like Taz, human suplex machine, Joe <laughs> threw you all over the place, chopped you, kicked you, and then finished you with a sleeper hold. Well, I don't know. And it never made true. any sense to me. It should have been a strike, or it should have been a like the muscle buster, and Taz should have had a suplex that he used to right. put somebody away. Like I didn't under, ever understand a Taz mission. Being his finish, it never made any sense. Especially since he always had to go up to put it on because everybody was taller than him and he never had any. Oh, yeah, it never looked like it did anything. Like, there was no way you couldn't get out of that. (laughs) You couldn't lock anything. Now, give Tez that cow catcher suplex, that head and arm suplex for the T bone. And yeah, he he wouldn't have to finish every match with the same suplex. He could just do any of them. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I know they wanted to give Joe that MMA style, so they gave him the, the choke. But, yeah, the muscle buster was enough for a finish. But, uh, yeah, before he got to the muscle buster, he would chop the shit out of you. Uh, number eight, and this is more of the overhand chop variety, Gary. Hit the big show. I think I found the perfect uh, thumbnail picture there. Just caving in. I think that's Angel Garza's chest there. But, yeah, he was... Yeah. I mean, his hand is the size of a frying pan. And all the chops sounded like they hurt like a motherfucker. Well, I imagine they did. I felt like your chest was caving in. <laughs> <laughs> and he seemed like he really enjoyed doing it, too. He'd, he'd, do the, he'd shush the crowd so you'd really hear it. And I got to imagine that then they get to the back and whoever he's in the room is like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Are you serious? And I heard a story once, kind of kind of a tangent, but I'll try to keep it short. CM Punk told a story about working Raven in the uh, Ring of Honor. And when they were going over the match, Punk was suggesting chops. And I guess Raven put the kibosh on it because he hated being chopped. So he told Punk, yeah, we're not going to do that. You know, they, they suck. You're not good at it. So we're not going to do any chops, okay? <laughs> Just put his foot down. No chops. <laughs> Which is probably exactly it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was in a shoot interview that Punk did for RF Video. This is before he was in WWE. And, yeah, he did a pretty spot-on Raven impression without telling that anecdote. Old Scotty the body. Scotty Flamingo. They could have they missed an opportunity. Should have gone with Scotty Flamingo and made him a dancer. You know. Yeah, him and his short foot. <laughs> the gout. Yeah. I remember that. I think they said he had the gout. <laughs> I don't it's like one leg shorter than the other, I think. So, yeah, that's why he had the extra sole in his boot, so it would yeah. be even. But I can empathize. I got one arm shorter than the other, so you know. All right. So apologies to Big Show for not spending more time on him, but he seemed pretty self-explanatory. You know, yeah. 
big hand, crowd hurt like a motherfucker. Uh, number seven, uh, we usually don't bring this guy up, but for this list, you know, got to bring up Benoit. Oh, yeah. Uh, if not for just for the time that he chopped William Regal in the face, because I guess he got a little bit out of control. He was doing the series in the corner that I think Regal flinched. Yeah. <laughs> Bust the nose. But he was kind of that, oh. you know, he ran with flair enough. I guess he's picked up the chops. Benoit. Benoit, indeed. Uh, fun to watch, but in hindsight, some of the shit he did, the, especially the German suplexes, I can't watch because it was always yeah. the, guy would, the guys would land on his head. You mentioned it to me, too. Yeah. Well, he was too short. Like, he couldn't get, like, out of the way. Yeah. And so, like, every, yeah, every time I see, you know, somebody doing rolling Germans, I'm like, man. It's great that you're getting your head out of the way most of the time, but you're still like jacking yourself up. And you should, if there's anything that Benoit should be, it should be an object lesson. Like, hey, yeah. why are you doing, why are people still doing stuff that he was doing? Like, you still see people do like flying headbutts every once in a while. Like, yeah, well, that explains a lot. Because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, he hasn't even learned from his own. No. <laughs> Times and don't give me it's his body, but man, like, dude, like Angle, same deal. I mean, for the most part, he was able to get his head out of the way, but he'd, he'd still get caught every now and then. Yeah, that's yeah, what Eddie there was right. a... Eddie did the vertical, so he had the right idea. Still make it look cool, but yeah. not so much of the peril. Uh, awkward sight. All right, so yeah, Benoit seven. He probably could have been higher on the list, but I didn't want him to be. I had better people. Uh, number six got the man, the the first inductee in our Hall of Fame, Andre the Giant. Again, same idea with the Big Show, an old giant hand. Uh, I mean, Hogan gave him a nice big target in that picture, but uh, yeah, Andre was pretty happy to just chop people. Especially later on when he wasn't moving around as much. It was all chops and headbutts for about five years. Yeah. Well, that would probably actually be enough. Yeah. Well, when your head is the size of a sedan in, in your hand, again, you get the frying pan hands. So that's going to get the job done. And uh, then, you know, the coup de gras, you know, sit on him. Yeah. Poor bad Possibly. news. Did you ever really start the bad news? Getting, uh, what? Possibly getting cooped on a little bit. Yeah. I read the uh, a French writer wrote a book about Andre a couple about a couple years ago, and I read it. And they go into that story about when uh, the defecation may or may not have happened. But yeah. yeah, I can think of a few things I would like to happen more than uh, or less, I should say, than having Andre poop on you. Because yeah. he liked healthy, he liked healthy portions. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, let's move on to number five, shall we? Uh, I think too nice of a guy to chop as hard as he did, Gary, at the Dragon, you know, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, uh, I loved when he would be in the ring with Flair, and they would go back and forth. 
because not only would Steamboat like throw awesome chops, he would sell for chops like nobody. Like he would think he would get he got shot in the chest and he'd like <laughs> he'd like seize up for a second and then turn around and just lay one in on on Flair, for example. But still smart enough not to chop Flair one more time. <laughs> oh, you mean not doing the last match? Yeah, because he was smart yeah. enough not to. Because yeah, he didn't want to be the guy who didn't want to be the guy who killed Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, you know, we there's been a lot of talk about uh, this kid Demar Hamlin from Buffalo, and they think it was he went into cardiac arrest. They think it's I think it's something similar to what happened to Jerry Lawler back when he had his heart attack, took yeah. repeated elbow from Ziggler, and then it just and that I could very easily see that happening to Flair if he was in the ring with Steamboat at this moment in time. Yeah. Or, or Big Show, you know, any any of these guys on the list would conceivably kill Flair if uh, if they chopped him one too many times. Yeah. But also on the Demar Hamlin thing, uh, kudos to Chris Jericho for donating ten thousand dollars to his toy drive. Uh, we went Hazzy's on that. I, you know, I couldn't, so I sent him a letter to ask him to put some in for me. Yeah. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If I had it to give, I would. But uh, I have said my good wishes instead. Hopefully the kid will kick out of it and he'll be all right. Uh, all right, tangent over. Let's go to number four, Gerald. And then this might get me some heat. Boom. I got flare number four. Which I can say that's a lot okay about the guys. Like, like he threw a lot of chops, but they aren't, weren't all great. And no. especially like further his career went along, he just threw more and more chops. And they weren't all like, they weren't all home runs. So, to me, a chop needs to, to be. Out of there. To, to me, a chop needs to be impactful. Like mm-hmm. if it's just, I, I'm guessing, I'm hoping if Flair's not one, the the guy I'm hoping for like is is my definition of chopper, and he would make every one of them count. I'm thinking I might have have that figured out. If uh, if he once turned Ernest Miller into a uh, pound of ground beef, oh oh, we might have I might not have him on the list. Uh, Well, don't tell me yet. We'll see. Yeah, so I got player number four. I'm sure Dwayne's gonna lose his mind. Say, oh, he should be number one. But you talked about how chops should be impactful, Gary. So my number three. Walter. Yeah. Anybody does impact on his chops. It, you can see Dragunov is ready to soil himself in this picture <laughs> on the approach. And it's literally like you would see guys get like three shots or three or four shots in on, on Volter or Gunther, depending on which era you like. Then they'd hit the ropes to come for the big shot and then he'd just chop them down. Just one shot and knock them on their ass. And you don't get that very much anymore. No. It's a, uh, I mean, you could get it from Shibata, uh, Suzuki probably, but yeah. And I do love me Shibata. I was pissed when he lost to Cassidy on TV. But, uh, yeah, but no, I, I, think, I think Volter's got the best chops in wrestling presently. And I don't think a lot of people will argue with me on that. But, uh, 
but yeah, just from winning, I remember a match he had in, I think it was Progress or Rev Pro, one of those British promotions a few years ago against Ishii, and they were just knocking the fire out of each other, just Ishii's throwing the forearms, Bolter's throwing the chops, just knocking the piss out of each other. I know I couldn't get enough. It was great. But I know you and I are both Ishii fans, so the old stone pit bull built like a fire hydrant. And a uh, huge head, too. He's one of the guys more, the head more, more medical tape than man at this point. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I heard he's got that elbow brace on. You know, he throws the forearms with. I heard that he he tightens that to the point where he gets no circulation in his arm, just so he can throw harder shots and not feel it, which is insane to me. Like, that seems like a bad idea. That's like Cabana with the compression socks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Volto, I got number three. Uh, number two, and we talked about him earlier. You got Kabashi. Yeah, and I picked this picture specifically just because you can see the sweat flying off of Joe's torso, and yeah, it's. I guess. It, well, I mean, on on top of the chops, he also had the uh, knife knife edge, the literal knife edges to the neck, like the rapid yeah. fire ones. Oh yeah. So and then he'd do the thing where he would just throw random just he would just chop you down he would like chop until he hit an knee then he'd do the, the double chop to the neck do the yeah spinning like reverse chops he had like more variations of chops than anybody i think i've ever seen and they all look awesome but just for a simple knife edge i mean just watch that match. if anybody hasn't seen that match with kabashi and samoa joe from ring of honor i encourage you to do it it's on youtube and yeah, you want to see two big guys just knocking the piss out of each other. That's uh, that's the way to go. Kobashi was kind of was kind of like the convenience store of Japanese wrestlers, though. Like he did a little bit of everything. How dare you? Because well, he did. Kobashi did a moonsault, right? Uh, I think early on, I don't think he did it for. for and then long. he he used a power bomb for a finisher for a while, and then he went to a big lariat. Then he had the orange crush, and then he had the burning hammer, and then he yeah. would chop, and then he had the half and half German, right? The or the single arm. German. Yeah, half Nelson yeah. suplex. Yeah, half Nelson, half Nelson suplex. So like, he was really like the. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he could do a little bit of everything, and then uh, I think he used a stretch plum, didn't he? Um. I think so, yeah. Uh, now, to be fair, he only used that burning hammer when he really needed it. I think he only used it like seven times yeah. in his whole career. And yeah. I know we always enjoyed hearing the Japanese announcers call the burning hammer. Just burning hammer. Well, that's because they said it in English, along with power yeah. bomb. Allah. I think they yeah, I don't. I don't know how those never translated to Japanese. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, but I I love Kabashi. He's like I said, he's my favorite Japanese wrestler. So I had to put him a number two in the favor of our number one. I think the only guy I know that used a chop as a finish. The big oh, wow. Wahoo Daniel. 
So you got to tell me, who were you thinking, Gary? Oh, Scott Norton. Oh, Norton. I didn't think him more as, as I know he threw a hell of a chop, but I was had him more as a power guy. Well, I mean, he, but he would just near the end of that run in WCW, like there was a few matches he had with Ernest Miller, and Ernest Miller was bleeding. <laughs> like his chest was just that raw. And well, like he just, him. yeah. Uh, somebody should have. <laughs> but yeah, Wahoo. That was, a, that was a big, tough dude. Yeah. Great football player. Then, yeah, he was, was one of those guys that when he would throw chops, they would echo. And, and he would literally get a pin out of that. He would whip a guy in the ropes, then they'd come off, hit a chop, and then he'd pin him. Which goes says a lot about wrestling back in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, anything can be a finish. God forbid a DDT be a finish these days, but I'm yeah. digressing. Or, or a pile driver. A pile driver. Yeah, Bully Ray is the only guy really that does pile drivers anymore, and I think that is his finish. But Bully Ray is also a smart man. Uh, Bully's also a guy that throws a hell of a chop. By the way, uh, I could have easily put him on the list here. But yeah, Wahoo, just when he would, especially when he was in the ring with Flair back in the early 80s. And then I've, I've only seen like one match between the two, but I, I need to find more of Wahoo and Brody together. Just because, I mean, everybody knows I love a good Haas fight, and that's the mother of all Haas fights, Wahoo and Brody. Maybe Wahoo and Hanson might trump it. Yeah. Cowboys and Indians, you know, it's a feud as old as the United States. Tales all this time. Uh huh. You know what? I'm I'm also gonna kick myself. Uh, bad disguises on the top ten last week. I forgot Red River Jack. <laughs> you remember that Bruiser Brody under the mask? Oh yeah. Kind of hard to hide all that. Yeah, a lot of hair and. <laughs> but yeah, he would. If he was gone somewhere, he would come back as Red River Jack. And, uh, yeah, this is ridiculous. Everybody knew it was him. Because like, how do you hide Brody? You don't. No. So, unsurprisingly, we finished our Top 10 Tuesday with a tangent. Just flying off the rails once again. But, uh, but yeah, Wahoo, for me, was number one. Uh, all these guys, I wouldn't pay to get chopped by any of them. No. <laughs> so well, I we honorable mention probably should have been actually thinking about it because of like the people who would line up just to get a job uh, should have been for and I can't think of his name. He just passed away not too long ago. Inoki. Inoki. Oh, about the honor slap. Oh yeah, that's right. It was a slap. It wasn't a chop. Either but... way, I mean, number one, it's fun. Yeah. To, it's fun to watch. But number two, I, mean, yeah. I respect how that event Inoki. I would not be in that line. No. I can think of better things to do than be slapped by that man. Well, I mean, because by the end, his hands either so numb he can't feel it, or he's tired. You'll have to kind of take the, the risk. Right. <laughs> so you I, don't know exactly be, where to stand. I wouldn't be surprised if his hand was completely calcified over. 30 years of 
throwing chops and things and it's like getting hit with a brick you know yeah probably yeah and he has no sympathy for people that don't have a giant square head that can take that kind of a shot but i say that with with reverence you know r.i.p enoki you know a lot of respect and he was they dedicated wrestle kingdom to enoki it was kind of they had a enoki tribute match uh suzuki tiger mask and Fudunami against Nagata, uh, Kojima, and shit. I can't remember the third, the third guy on his team. But I thought I'd get your attention with Kojima. I know you're a big fan of uh, Kojima. Yeah. Big Cozy Lariat, you know, and his bread. Nagata in, Nagata in Japan was such a different beast than he was in America. That yeah. dude was tough. It's going to bug me that I can't think of who that guy was. It was on their team. It was Nagata. And, uh, shit. <laughs> I can't re- I'm going to try to figure it out. And if I think of it, I'll put it in, in our socials because I want to make sure I give proper credit. Uh, Gary, before we say goodbye, we got to pay some bills. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash JTR Pod. We can get all of your uh, jumping the rail merchandise, which is just t shirts. I, I asked. I can't do like any other stuff on there. But uh, I'm working on like maybe a side hustle to get some uh, like hoodies and stuff like that out there. If anybody's interested, uh, there we go. We got some of our new ones. Uh, Hoss fights draw money and blood equals money. That's those have been there for a bit. Two new ones up here. Uh, Keep calm and kayfabe on the right, and then on the uh, left, I do not like lazy booking. Uh, my buddy Menders, I think, has already ordered that one. I think she might have ordered both of these, but. Uh, Good words to live by. There's more stuff coming. I'm, for those that don't know, I do host the Zero One Shootout every other week also, and I'm working on getting some stuff up for that show also. So we'll see if I can get that stuff approved. And, uh, yeah, so go check it out. Like I said, any little bit helps. Let's keep the lights on, keep the microphones going, keep the uh, keep the stream uh, vibrant, I guess is the right word. It's kind of good. But, uh, but yeah, so... That's at ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, you can check us out on uh, Twitter at JTRPod and Instagram at Jumping the Rail. Our Facebook page is Jumping the Rail. Uh, if you want our YouTube channel, you're on it. You're looking at it. And, uh, yeah, so in two weeks, uh, Gary, we're going to actually work on doing something we've been talking about, which is like a salute to Chicago independent wrestling. And hopefully in the next uh, episode or two, we can make that happen. So, uh, yeah. Everybody should keep an eye out for that. And then uh, we'll be coming up on WrestleMania season, so we'll have some fun with that. Maybe do a uh, live kickoff show for WrestleMania or something like we did last year. Uh, you got anything else you want to add, Gary? Nope. All right. I think go we covered and, uh, everything. I think we have, and we did it in an hour 40, which is, I think, a record for us. Yep. But uh, I'll let you go and oint your ear as you need to. Uh, yeah. Tell the guy outside to stop shooting his guns and scaring your dogs. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Let me make sure I got my credits. Uh, there we go. So, all right. So, we're going to go ahead and we're going to call this a show. So, for Gary, this is Revan. I'm going to run everybody. Life is hard and work stiff. It's on a t shirt. You can get it at the PWTs. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Ah.